Well, hello there. Welcome along to the RTE Soccer Podcast. Good to have your company for this, the latest edition, podcast number 38. James O'Toole, as ever, is with us. How are you doing, James? Not too bad, Adrian. How are you today? Good. Not too bad. I suppose it's, uh, was it a good weekend for you being a Derry City fan? and You're probably an American Ryder Cup fan as well, so a very good weekend if you're both. I, I'm not a Ryder Cup fan. I'm not a golf fan at all, but I was watching the 49ers early this morning lose to the Seahawks, so it was good for Derry, but wasn't so good for the 49ers over the weekend. Yeah, very good for Derry. Closing in on Sligar Rovers in that push for European football. We'll come on to that. Also with us today, Graeme Gartland. Graeme, how are you? How was your weekend? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, I was busy. I had a, we had our own game on Saturday at home and then I was obviously watching the Friday night game when I got back in uh, after training as well. So it was a busy weekend. And tell us about your, your game at home at the weekend. We played UCD in the quarterfinal of the Cup and we managed to get a 3-2 win an extra time so was delighted for the boys we were de- we were actually down to 10 men as well which was uh, I, I told them I says I can't really complain it's me and Pat Flynn are the man- Pat Flynn's the assistant manager and I'm the manager so I says listen we're the last people that's going to criticise us for discipline here so uh, but uh, no they, they done great the lads dug in deep and <laughs> you scored in the last minute of extra time so it was great um so I was delighted for them because they put in a lot of work and we had a lot of lads away with the international under-15s as well. So we didn't have a lot of time. to. They just flew back in on the Friday night and went straight into the game. So it was, um, it was just good to see them sort of show a bit of togetherness as well, which is something we're trying to get into them. Well, it certainly was a good uh, weekend for the, the senior side, Shamrock Rovers. Well, on their way to retaining the title after a 1-0 win, away to St. Pat's, who lie in second place. The only goal was a Nahum Melvin Lambert OG in the 92nd minute. Leaves Shamrock Rovers nine points clear off St. Pat's with a game in hand. Uh, Shamrock Rovers with nine matches remaining. Pat's with eight matches to go. So a very significant win in the race for the league title for uh, Shamrock Rovers. Let's hear from their manager, Stephen Bradley. It's just belief in what we do and keep going until the final whistle. I think... uh We've shown on a number of occasions they're extremely fit and I think it pays off late on in games. Barry Cotter getting the man of the match tonight. A, a lot of changes in personnel over the time as well. You've had a lot of injuries, but you keep grinding them out. Yeah, that's why the best team wins the league. Um, anyone can win the a cup, but to win the league, you've got to show up every week and face different challenges. You have injuries, it's part of football, you've got to get on with it. And uh, to be fair to the group, they've done that. They've been excellent. Uh, still some games to go, but uh, they were very good again tonight. Nine points clear, that game in hand. I don't expect you to uh, uh, accept the title tonight, but uh, it's a testament to the hard work that you've done and you know, you've know you created that gap. Yeah, again, credit to the players. Um, we've had different tests every week with Europe thrown in and losing one or two games and the injuries thrown in. But like I said, that's where the best team wins the league. And uh, We're not there yet, but I think it shows that this group, whatever the challenge is, where it's a good game, a scrappy game, whether you have injuries, they show up and... and uh, they did get results. Quite a tactical game between the two sides tonight. Uh, the delivery for the, the free kick, though, was what, what made it, wasn't it? Great delivery. To be fair to Dylan, his delivery was good all night. And uh, we were just short in our runs to get there. And uh, thankfully, that one uh, was on the money and we get rewards. We get our rewards. And the reward from that particular win could well be the league title. Is it done and dusted now, Graham? Um, I don't think I'll go as far as say that's it done with nine games to go. I think it's probably a bit disrespectful. But I do feel... For two reasons, I think Shamrock Rovers will go on to win the league. I think, again, the nine points clear. I can't see them dropping points to the other teams, uh, that many points. And I also feel that the teams around them just can't get a run together to ever sustain a challenge against them this season. Um, Shamrock Rovers have had little blips throughout the year, but no team has been able to capitalise on that. And 
Again, St. Pat's are second in the league. Three, four times they played them this year and they've only managed to get a draw against them. I feel if you're going to try and take the league off a team that is, that is on top of the league and, and also defending the title, you have to you have to take points off them yourself. You can't rely on the other teams around you to do it. But Shamrock Rovers have been the, the probably most consistent team over the season. And I feel with nine games to go, and it's, I th- I do think they'll go on to win the league. But to say it's done and dusted with nine games to go, I wouldn't. I, I don't want to be disrespectful to every other team in the league and say, yeah, just give it to them now. But I I also have to be realistic, and I can't see anybody else stopping them. Yeah, it's hard to see anybody stopping them, James. Isn't that fair enough, really? Yeah, it is very fair. I'm I'm not going to sit on the fence like Graham. I think that's the league title over and done with. Pat's had two chances in the last month and a half the game points back on them and lost both games um, and in truth on Friday night really didn't create all that much to even take the three points themselves so nine points clear game in hand and the only team that seems to be any Roma form and you've mentioned them already is Derry City and they're too far way too far mm. away to go anywhere near them mm. Very frustrating of course for Stephen O'Donnell for all concerned with Pats obviously James but I suppose the injuries as well hasn't helped them through the course of the season losing Mountney and Benson at key times Yeah Mountney and Benson if you take them out of a squad you're missing two incredibly good and two creative players out of your squad so that kind of limits them a bit I think the young lads who have come in a banquet in particular coming in at centre half the other night was really really good 17 years of age um, unbelievable Graham will tell you more about as far as the defending point of view is concerned how good he actually is um, but he, he took that in his stride and that doesn't help Stephen he's tried to get, gain momentum and every time he does something goes wrong be it an injury or a suspension but listen second in the league I think he would he have taken it and been so far off Rovers maybe at the start of the season yeah, what about the new lads for St. Pat's? Well, we'll come back to Shamrock Rovers, Graham, in just a moment, but James obviously referred to the young lad going in at centre-back and obviously Ben McCormick has been terrific. Dara Burns, outstanding for one so young as well. Yeah, yeah, Ben McCormick, he, he, he came on in the game at Rovers and he's he, sort of a bit of an Adam McAniff about him where he's willing to sort of drive on, make runs into the box. He's technically very good. He has good delivery as well. But the young players are coming through. Dara Burns was probably one of Pat's best, better players in the game at Tallis Stadium against Rovers. He was really, really good. And the centre-back of Anka was really good the other night. Obviously, you see his athletic ability, and he, he, but he sort of a calmness on him on the ball as well at times to play, but not afraid to just be a defender. I think, going back to what James said about Pat's missing players, Lee Desmond's been a big miss for them as well the last month because through the head knock. So he he misses the game. But the young players coming in for Pat's only bodes well for them going forward. Um, and like James said, for them to get second after probably it would be Stevens was the second year in charge or first full season where you go right well hopefully it's a chance for them to build but I agree with James I think Derry might be the team that will come I think Derry are going to have a a big investment come in I know that the owner um, sold his company there's going to be a big investment into Derry in the next couple of seasons and with Rory Higgins in charge I think they could be the, the one that challenged Rovers in the next couple of seasons. Yeah, talk to us about that, James. As a, as a Derry City supporter, the news of uh, what could be what could be major investment and all sorts of rumours about possible signings for next year. As a, as a Derry City fan, are, are you getting very excited now? Do you know what? Um, I, I'd be excited already because Philip did announce early in the season that Rory's going to have more money next year anyway. As far as selling his company... 
you know, I think Philip is a very sensible man. I don't think he's going to put it straight into a football club. Um, I don't think he's going to do that. I think if he does do that, he's got very ambitious plans for an academy, a bit like what Shamrock Rovers has. Yeah. And I think if he's going to put money anywhere, even as a Derry City fan, yeah, increase the budget slightly. But if you're going to put money anywhere for to put it into developing an academy around that northwest region, where we'll, we'll benefit from that from years to come instead of one season at a time. Yeah, and a very good win at the weekend, albeit against the team that's down near the, well, at the bottom of the table, Longford Town, McGonagall, Akintunde and Junior with the goals. And a terrific game, James. I know you were at it last week. Bowes 3, Derry City 3. I mean, there'll be a lot of uh, potential candidate matches for game of the season, but that one has to be right up there. I was, wasn't at the game, but I watched it on uh, LOI TV. It was terrific. Oh, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, every every part of the game was brilliant. It, uh, Graham, even as a coach, like if you're looking at it from a coach's point of view, the transitions between forward, defence, midfield, the way they moved the ball throughout the pitch from left to right, the goals scored were absolutely brilliant. The defending, the battle between Toll and Georgie Kelly all night was exemplary. One, how to put your body about as a defender or as a striker, and two, how to stop a striker getting in on it at the final whistle but that goal from Georgie Kelly at the, at the very final I'm going to have a gripe here it was nearly six minutes into three minutes added on but uh, <sighs> but what if, if you're going to if you're going to get a draw out of a game that was probably a goal to win a game never mind get a draw of it it was absolutely superb yeah absolutely uh, but Bohemians Graham it's, it seems to be kind of they win a match they win a couple of matches they get seem to be building up some sort of momentum. I mean, obviously they went through mm. to the Cup semi-finals. You know, obviously the, the Derry game, you know, you take that on its merits and it was a, thr- a thrilling three-all draw and they, they, they played their, their get-out-of-jail card with that injury-time goal deep, deep, as James says, rather yeah. begrudgingly for Georgie Kelly. But then they lose then to Finn Harps at home, a match you might have said, they, yeah, they should win that one. Yeah, and again, when you come on and sort of, even if you give a critical point of view on Bowes, people say it's just you're just being critical because you're involved with Rovers, but it's not. It's like for them to achieve anything that they want to achieve, it's a consistency on it that you know what you're getting every week, week in, week out. And that's where they go from having an exceptional performance against Derry and even their performances in Europe. And then I think they only won one game after the European adventures where they need to get it to a point where the highs are really high, but they're not dropping too low where they, they don't get results at the weekend, especially with your home games. If you, if, like you said, they should be beating Finn Harps at home. Um, no respect, no disrespect to Finn Harps. I know Finn Harps turned Rovers over up there uh, two weeks ago, so they've, they've been on a good run as well. But I know what you're saying regarding... Sometimes that happens when you have young players in the, in the squad that it's a consistency thing where can they get up for it? Do they know how to prepare themselves to perform every week um, and I think that has to come with Bowes if they have to try and challenge and put in a sort of a, a sustained title challenge in the in the coming years I know they're trying to get into European football they have a couple of games in hand as well, they're on 26 games but they're, they're, they're going all in on the cup as well mm. but they do, need to, they do need to get a find a level of consistency that you know you're going to get out of them week in week out yeah, as Graham says there, James, they do have a couple of games in hand, so they could yet make Europe via the league. But certainly, the cup is huge this season, isn't it for Bohemians? It's not just huge for Bohemians; it's also just as big for Dundalk. So there's two teams there that really, really need to get a result and get into the final of the FEI Cup. For Bowes, two games in hand, but still four points behind Derry. And I think who they're one of their games in hand is definitely against 
I think it's Dundalk and Rovers that made Dundalk it. Dundalk tonight, actually, as we yeah, record. Dundalk yeah. tonight, but then... Rovers is the other one from Rovers the, the other cancelled one, so. game. Yeah. So you, you've got two very, very tough games to get there. So it'll be interesting because you get into the semi-finals and you've got Dundalk and Bowes possibly looking to win that cup to get themselves a European place, which, of course, would then lose whoever finishes fourth for the first time in maybe seven or eight years since someone who didn't finish fourth got a European spot. Graham, I mean, you've probably been asked this loads of times, but you're obviously, you know, very much involved there in Tala. But uh, Shamrock Grovers this season, obviously losing the likes of Jack Byrne and Aaron McInef was huge, but they're coasting, as we would say, in terms of uh, the league title race. But uh, perhaps on the field of play, the, the sparkle that was there last year isn't in evidence this time around. Is that harsh? Yeah, I, I would say that. Yeah, I think Danny Mandroyo has brought some cracking goals and some brilliant play this season. Um, I think they've ground out a lot more results this year than they probably had the last season. I know they, I know they went unbeaten all through last season, and they probably felt like they were cruising in games. They scored, I think, I think that's seven, is it? La goals and stoppage time now. So it probably feels like they've ground out results a little bit more. But yeah, there's, there's times I've watched them play. They played against St Pat's there a couple of weeks ago in Tallah Stadium, and I thought they were excellent. They dismantled Dundalk 3-1 with some wonderful football. Uh, some great goals in that. Liam Scales scored a cracker. Mandroyu scored, Mandroyu scored a lovely goal, two goals against Pats as well. So mm. there has been brilliant sprinkled in, um, but I do think they've ground they've ground out results when they've needed to at certain times. And again, as Stevens alluded to in his interview, no two games are the same, and sometimes you're gonna have to go and grind out results. And when you're defending champions, most teams tend to raise their game against you as well because they're heightened by it. They know that the there's a big challenge facing them as well so they tend to be more up for games too James I was in Oriel Park on Friday night Dundalk absolutely coasted through that game four goals to one against Sligo Rovers the wheels have come off I mean Sligo Rovers had a couple of decent results of late they beat Dundalk actually at the showgrounds and before that beat St Pat's but since the European Games they've really fallen off a cliff and they're in danger of surrendering that third spot. I know that, as you mentioned, Derry City are on a charge. <laughs> Put it to you this way, there would be concern in Sligo at the moment, I think. Yeah, it'd be a little bit of concern. We all thought that, that between that European game and when they eventually got a win, the obvious equation there was Greg Bulger was back on the pitch for the first win back. Like, So you're thinking, well, Greg Bulger's back in that. But in fairness to Sligo, it's a lot of games in such a short period of time when again they're missing some players that could be in the starting eleven, um, you, you just hope that the next game they play they 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 get a, a result or else you will have Derry really looking on the back of them, and it'll it'll be amazing if Derry do catch them. I think if they got they've got Waterford next up at home, Waterford on a bit of a charge as well. So they they really need to look over their shoulder need to pick up a couple of results and push away from uh, that fourth position because as i said if one of those two teams win the cup fourth isn't going to be good enough for, you f- for europe and that that could well happen it's amazing they're still in toward considering the run they've been on it just shows you that we were talking about the consistency of bohemians behind them if bohemians c- could have put a run together they could have cemented toward place long ago like you know be considering I think Sligo have two wins in the last ten or something like that. You know, I know the Pats game takes on a life of its own because of the Buckley thing, where you could tell they were really up for it. There's a bit of a row after the game. They, they tend to be spiked for that, but then they go up and lose to Dundalk, where like after a terrific display on RTE against St Pats and winning two 0 they then lose mm. to Rovers at home and then go and lose to Dundalk. So again, they, they're just not consistent enough to to 
even lay claim to a tour place spot at this stage. Okay, we'll see what happens there. And you mentioned a club who very much in form into the Cup semi-finals as well, of course, Watford, with a good win over Drogheda United. Phoenix Patterson scoring the only goal at the RSC on Friday night. Graham, how do you see the relegation tussle playing out? Because obviously we're recording this on a Monday afternoon and on Monday night, the dog take on uh, Bohemians in that uh, back fixture. So much will depend on how that goes. But just on Drogheda United... Would you worry for Drogheda United that they could get drawn into that relegation battle in terms of that relegation playoff spot? I was worried about them um, until they probably went to Dundalk and got a victory because they were on a they were on a really poor run, and then they obviously went to Dundalk, nicked the one not nicked the one nil win, but won one nil, and then they went on a little run where they started putting together results and, and performances that allowed them to sort of, you know, get a a little bit pull away from the. The, the spot but again Watford are hit, Watford will win one and lose one and again it's hard for them to be consistent down there Finn Harps are the one that's just pulling results out of the bag left right and centre they've been really really good like they beat Rovers up there two weeks ago and then they go down on the road and beat Bohemian mm-hmm. so they're the ones that you probably need to be worried about and that might pull them pull Drott at the back but I think at the moment Dundalk need to find wins I know they won the other night they need to back that up with a win tonight against Bohemians to try and pull away they do have a game in hand over Waterford but it looks like it's between Waterford Finn Harps and, and um, Dundalk at the moment so it's it's interesting to see how that one will play out I don't know what players Vinny's looking to have back or who he can who he can bring back to bolster his, his squad or his team but he's um he's got a lot to play for in terms of making sure they stay they don't get dragged into the relegation playoff and also the semi-final of the cup yeah and there seems to be a real buzz at the moment james around watford yeah i think there's been a real buzz since mark came in mark seems to be a very genuine lad like and but the, the unfortunate thing about that buzz is as graham mentioned if you win one and lose one you're still in around that eighth position in the league you're only a point ahead of dundalk dundalk have a massive six days ahead of them if they beat bowers tonight and then Finn Harps at the weekend. I think that's Dundalk almost out of this position and uh, not we're not looking behind them then for the rest of the season. So for Waterford, as I said, Sligo Rovers at the weekend, you need to pick up a result there. Sligo weren't playing all that well. Waterford result against Strada. They just need to push on and get a couple of more results. And I think that's what Mark Burcham will be looking for. If Mark Burcham, tell you the truth, if he gets them out of this position, mm. I think he, it'll be an absolutely tremendous job for him. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. We knew the draw for the semi-finals of the FEI Cup, Graham, would be tasty because of the four teams that were left. So we have the pairings. It's St. Pat's at home to Dundalk, so crucially for Pat's, they've got home advantage there and Bowes against Watford. So no matter what happens, it's going to be a fascinating FEI Cup final. But Pat's getting that home draw against Dundalk was, was important for them, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I think they've been... Richmond Park is a be a great atmosphere and it's a really tight ground it's something if you speak to most players in the league they really enjoy playing at Richmond because it's really enclosed and it's tight and the atmosphere stays in the ground so it'll make for a cracking game I think obviously with the the amount of ex-Dundalk players at Pats as well Stevie O'Donnell having that adds extra intrigue to it so and when semi-finals are just about getting through there's been cracking semi-finals down the years I remember Pats, I think, beat Bowes one year to get to a fu- to get to a final four three, I think, in a replay, and then but they lose the final. So semi finals are just about winning to make sure you're in the final, and then it, then anything can happen really. But yeah, that's in- they're intriguing. Like 
cup semi-finals at Richmond, you know, they don't come much bigger, so it'll be a great mm. game for them and a great occasion for St. Pat's. Waterford would have loved to have home advantage against Bowes, given that Bowes have the match at Denningman Park. Does, does that tilt at James in their favour? Um, it does slightly, but as we see, Waterford will take great great gusto out of Finn Harps going there and beating them last weekend, so it does show that some teams, they are, they're capable of beating, being lost beaten in Denningman Park, which is something that Bowes over the last couple of years, you might have said wouldn't be able to, you wouldn't do it. But uh, it'd be great for them to go up if they get a win against them. They're into a final. What a year for Mark Burcham. Mm. It's going to be two cracking semi finals. Like that's St. Pat's Dundalk one. Hopefully, yeah. if that's a nighttime one under lights in Richmond, and unlike last Friday, we get some away fans in there as well, the atmosphere is going to be absolutely cracking there. And the same with Waterford and um, Bowes. I can't. The last time Waterford, what the old Lansdowne Road, I think, was the last time Waterford were in a cup final. So it'd be great to see them. Ah, right there. cheers. <laughs> cheers, Jamesy. I know what game you're thinking of. Oh, I thought I'd bring that back to you. <laughs> but all the pressure on Bowles as well when you're the home team. And that's where, that's what we were talking about earlier about that consistency from Bowles. Can, can they step up and win games they're supposed to win? Okay, let's uh, move it along, shall we? In terms of the first division, the results over the course of the weekend Athlone Town 0, Wexford 2, Cabinteely 0, Shelburne 3. So Shell's 10 points clear at the top of the table. It's all about the promotion playoff spots now. Uh, Galway. In that regard, with a very important win, 4-1 over UCD. Treaty United nil, Cork City nil, and Bray Wanderers were 2-1 winners at Cove Ramblers. Now then, uh, let's turn our attention to uh, matters in England, the Premier League. We're joined by Andrew Cheel from England. Hello, Andrew. Good to have you with us on the RT Soccer Podcast. Good, good, good. Good. Thank you very much. Good to hear your dulcet tones. What caught your eye in the Premier League? Because there were so many discussion points over the weekend. But what stood out for you? Obviously, we had City winning at Chelsea. A thrilling draw between Brentford and Liverpool. 3-3, the goals shared there. A defeat for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Not good after losing to West Ham in the Carabao Cup. And obviously, the Champions League to Young Boys Burn the week previous to that. So lots of discussion points. But what stood out for you in particular? The things that stood up for me was City winning away at Chelsea. I didn't think that was as surprising as United losing at home to Villa. The reason, the thinking behind that is that I've always thought City are capable of beating anybody. Meanwhile, United losing to Villa, I think that shows United are still vulnerable. They're still not the real deal. And like you say, the 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 fantastic game between Brentford and Liverpool shows what the, 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 uh, even the Grandmaster Jürgen Klopp is vulnerable because he was outthought by a younger man with precious little experience in the Premier League. Thomas Frank, in his first season as a Premier League manager, outthought the Grandmaster Jürgen Klopp, who's seven years older, with almost seven years in the Premier League. And I really enjoyed that. And for those of us who didn't see it, in what way was Klopp outthought, outfoxed? Well, they overloaded the far posted Brentford time and time and time again. And you would have expected uh, somebody to to say, look, let's have an extra man at the far post. But it didn't work. It was was quite often three to two at the far post or maybe even three three men to one, uh, three attackers, one defender. And quite how that happened, I'm not sure. But that was that was the tactic that uh, that Brentford employed that got them loads of goals. Terrific. Graham, are you surprised by, or were you surprised by the Liverpool defending at the weekend? Um, a little bit. I watched the game and I thought they were a little bit sort of. Um, it's it's very hard to set up the play against long ball at times because it it can be sort of unpredictable. So you don't know where the flick on's going to go. You don't know where it's going to land. I did think that some of them were deeper sometimes than and uh, sort of the distance between the back four wasn't great. 
I agree a little bit when in that you just need to slide your centre back back one and pull your other centre back in and do the front post if you're going to give up a cross so that you're not overloaded on the back post. There's yeah. two things you can do is that you can make sure the the area is secure or you can work harder to stop the cross. In terms of out thinking Klopp, like team teams aren't. He sets up one of the best pressing teams in, in Europe. So it's very hard to then go, right, we're going to play out and play into the hands. So to say, right, well, we're going to clip her up to our two front men who are big and strong, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's, it's a master stroke. I just think it's something of necessity that you need to do against these Liverpool sides. But I think what they done well off of that was they got bodies into the box. They were clever in, in their set pieces, which leads to their first goal. And, the, and again, they did, they did load up at the back post over Trent. So um, in that sense, I thought they were, they were really clever in the, in the final third. To get into the final third, I think, I think it was probably just very uh, fundamental sort of football, as in don't play into their hands and we play into what air strengths are, which is uh, big lads up front being able to secure the ball. And Graham, to, to um, Andrew's point about Manchester United still being vulnerable despite all the signings and Varane coming in at the back, but that defeat coming hot on the heels of you know a pretty bad fortnight really for um, Manchester United was really disappointing for United fans, wasn't it? Yeah, and again, I had this discussion today. We were talking about football this morning. I was talking to a Man United fan saying, like, you, you know how Liverpool are going to play, you know how Manchester City are going to play, and you know how Chelsea are going to play. So the big teams have a certain style that the managers have brought to the, to the game. Where with, with Man United, I just don't see a, a, a style that you go, right, well, that's what they're going to do. A lot of their stuff is off the cuff. They are a really good counter-attacking team, but a lot of the stuff that the midfielders do in terms of Pogba, Fernandes, uh, Greenwood, Rashford when, he, when he's fit, and Sacco, it's all can we get them in 1v1 situations and then let them use their individual talents. There's not really sort of a, a style of play that you'd say, right, well, that, that's the United way, that's what they're doing at the minute, that's what Solskjaer's brought. I don't think they have that identity yet and, and it, it, it lends to an inconsistency then because they're looking around saying, what do you want from me in certain situations? And I've said it on this podcast before, if you haven't got a control in midfield that it's going to get these talented players on the ball and into areas where you can hurt people, which is the lines between midfield and the back four, you're never going to control a football match, especially against the bigger teams, let alone against teams like Aston Villa, who, who turned them over on Saturday. Andrew, what were your thoughts on the, the Bruno Fernandes tweet? Obviously, he missed a penalty and stopped his time to earn a side of draw, ballooned the penalty over the bar. Some people at the time were thinking, oh, maybe it's going to be Ronaldo to take it. But Fernandes, he's been generally clinical from penalties. But then he tweeted after the game, no excuses for my penalty miss today. I'm my biggest critic, but as always, I'll use it to drive me forward. More than my disappointment, though, the team's loss today is the most important. I'll be ready next time. Uh, a player taking to Twitter, it wasn't quite an apology, but it, that's what it amounted to. What did you make of it? I was a bit surprised to, to, to read it in, in a way, but actually, I think he's saying, I'm going to take the next penalty. Right. I, I'm, that's what I'm reading into that, quite frankly. There was something at the very start of that that you read out there that said, uh, Ronaldo, forget it, pal. I'm having the next penalty because uh, you know, the penalties are mine, and 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 I don't really care, you know, who else is is interested. But uh, I've got, and you, you can't you you can't argue with it. He's got such a good record of taking penalties that why would you want anybody else to do it? He's, so he's missed one, and he, did he miss it? It's still going up towards Pluto, but, you know. <laughs> 
the, the the last penalty I saw go like that was Chris Waddle in the 1990 World Cup for, against Germany. But it was just, I think that's what he's saying. He's, he's saying, I'm having the next penalty. Right, but maybe, James, out at the cliff when Manchester United are training, Ronaldo's knocking on Oli's door to say, listen, bag's the next one. <laughs> yeah, he, he might be trying to knock on the door and say, bag's the next one. What I was shocked about Fernandez is that he was able to get Martinez out of his head quick enough to write the tweet after the match to tell you the truth. Because it was definitely Emiliano Martinez, the man, got in his head before he took that panel, suggesting that what are you doing before he should be taking a point at Ronaldo on that. So it was, a, it was a bit of genius by the goalkeeper and it definitely worked. Andrew, big win for Manchester City at Chelsea because I kind of fancy Chelsea. have a few quid on Chelsea to win the Premier League, but Thomas Tuchel boys surrendering there. And a big week ahead for Manchester City in terms of matches. They've got Paris Saint-Germain in the Champions League on Wednesday and then they go to Liverpool in the Premier League next Sunday. Huge week. Yeah, I think in terms of their um, Champions League match, I think history and current form are both on City's side. They won both legs of the semi-final against PSG last year. Uh, they that 6-3 win at home to Leipzig. Meanwhile, PSG were held 1-1 at Bruges. Uh, it's interesting to compare and contrast the two managers, uh, Guardiola uh, and Pochettino. Uh, Pochettino has won just three out of 20. Uh, so he's got the, uh, a, lot to, to, a lot of ground to make up. The X factor, of course, is Lionel Messi. Uh, I, when I said I, I fancy City to win this one, except if Messi gets on the ball uh, more, you know, more than somewhat. I think he's got just... He, he, Lionel Messi is Lionel Messi and mm. he can win a game on his own and that's the, that's, that's the X factor in that game otherwise I'm taking City to win over two legs And in terms of uh, Manchester City and the Champions League Graham, it's huge this season isn't it for Pep Guardiola given that they've come up short in the last few seasons obviously beaten finalists uh, just this year gone Yeah and then they've invested obviously 100 million in Jack Grealish as well so they've, they've I think it's something that he wants to win with City because they, they haven't got a great record in Europe. They've never, I know they got to the final for the first time the, uh, last season. So, um, yeah, I think he's going to go all out. I think they have been going all out to try and to try and win it since he's come in. The whole t- the whole club is set up to sort of try and be as dominant as they can domestically and in Europe. So it'd be interesting one because I like again. I think Man City will. I think Man City will be uh, Paris Saint Germain. I think. Uh, Guardiola has a way of just sort of killing people with just the ball. They kill, they kill these teams with possession and the likes of Neymar and Mbappe. And if you starve them of the ball, they just become frustrated and don't really want to chase back as much as they should. And Messi's probably similar in that in that regard because he was so used to being on the ball with Barcelona and them having sixty percent possession. But I think, um, yeah, I think I think Man City will go close again this year. Um, I do feel that when they get to the latter stages sometimes they try and overcomplicate their game uh, especially in the final against Chelsea last year they tried to do that as well so um, but I do think they'll they'll have a good run at the Champions League as well as the league this season and, and in your view Graham, is the is the Champions League a bigger priority for Pep this time around given it's the one that just remains elusive the Holy Grail is the Champions League still yeah it's hard because it, I've never been in that situation where you're saying which one are we going to go for the Champions League or the league Like so it's hard to, dis- to decide but I-, I think when you start out with a club like Man City they're obviously going to target the two biggest ones which is the league and the Champions League and them two will be priority whatever they, they put first or second I don't know they've a big enough squad to-, to go after two in fairness in all the other cup competitions Guardiola he's always got the League Cup Finals and, and FA Cup Finals as well he- like I said the squad is it's just full of talent and they're, they're able to throw out teams that 
and the way they play and train allows them to just dominate the game. So um, I do feel that there's something in him that he, he really, really wants to win the Champions League. But I think that's in in a lot of the managers at, at the top clubs is that sure. you see with Tuchel last year that just comes in and he, he's gone through three seasons and not winning a, a Paris Saint-Germain and all that pressure and then he gets six I think he gets six months at Chelsea and goes on and wins the Champions League so um, again once it gets to the knockout stages anything can happen but I think Man City have a consistency about them in their league and the Champions League that they can challenge for both Porto against Liverpool is the live game on RT2 television. Chelsea on Wednesday night. Very tricky one for them, Andrew. Away against Juventus. I know Juventus have made a sluggish enough start in Serie A, but they won at the weekend and they remain a force, I guess, in Europe. But uh, that's a difficult enough one for Chelsea coming off the back of defeat to Man City at the weekend. It is, except that I think the one factor in it is, uh, is Romelu Lukaku, who scored the only goal at home in the match against Zenit. Away from home, I think his strength and his hold-up play is going to be absolutely vital. And those are two things that I think has improved beyond recognition since his first spell at the club. And I think that will be a very big factor, uh, as well as his ability to score goals. His, his strength and his hold-up play are, are going to be really, really important away from home. All right, listen, we leave the Champions League there and indeed the Premier League. Many thanks for joining us on the line. Andrew Cheel joining us on the RT Soccer Podcast. Uh, Graham, great to see Liam Scales making his Celtic debut last week against Wraith Rovers. You must have been delighted to see him coming on. Yeah, yeah, he came on, I think it was a half an hour to go, so he came on and had a good win. I know Celtic have him probably, they drew again at the weekend, won all uh, home to Dundee United. So there's a chance for him to play, obviously from being over there. They signed Greg Taylor, who was with Kilmarnock, but they were unsure of him last season. So I think Liam has a chance to go in and play. Um, at Celtic, I think he has a chance to cement his place either as a left-back or a left-sided centre-back. I know they have Starfelt in as well, um, but... It was great for Liam and it just shows you that like he's two seasons at Rovers and then he goes in and he's, and he's playing for Celtic now in, uh, in front of 60,000 people. So it's great and delighted for him as well because he's uh, such a sort of down-to-earth, humble kid that um, I think he'll take it all in his stride. How much do you think he can achieve in the game? Yeah, I think, like I said, he got called into the Ireland squad last season. I remember I remember when I first seen him play, I was, I'd come back for a weekend and watched the game and I spoke to Stephen about him and Stephen really liked him. I said... Um, I was talking about how good his distribution was and he has a lovely sort of way to pass and he's technically he's technically better than I thought he was. He's a really soft touch. So I think he can go places because he's he's a good height, he's got he's athletically very, very good. He's he's never he doesn't get done for pace too much. Um he's quick without being probably lightning, but um he's aggressive. He's only gonna get better and the more experience he gets and the more he gains Playing against better players, playing with better players as well, um, he can go. I think he, I think he'll go on to be um, a full international over the next and and probably collect up to fifty caps over the next ten years, hopefully. Oh wow, as many as that? Yeah, you're that optimistic. I wouldn't. I don't, well, I, yeah. Does the left sided centre, left sided centre backs, like there's something about them that they stand out because they give a, go, a really good balance to your team. So who do Ireland have a centre back? They've Duffy, they've Egan. Like they, they don't, they don't have. Who else would you say that we could go and play there? I think he has a chance to be a consistent member of an Ireland squad over the next ten years. Where he goes on to have fifty caps, probably a little bit ambitious from my point. But I think if he got between twenty and thirty, then I, I, I think that'd be the least that he'll, that he'll achieve.
Yeah, certainly a player who seems to have a bright future. Liam Scales, good luck to him at Celtic. Now a check on the results in the Women's National League over the course of the weekend. Bohemians nil, Piemont United 3, Stephanie Roach, Tegan Ruddy from the penalty spot. We'll hear from Tegan very shortly. Karen Duggan also on target. Cork City 4, DLR Waves 1. Laura Shine with a hat-trick for Cork City. Becky Casson also on target for City. Shona Carroll scored DLR Waves' solitary goal. Galway 1, Treaty United Nil. Emma Starr with the only goal of that match. Treaty goalkeeper Michaela Mitchell made several outstanding saves in the match. And a big win for Wexford Youths over Athlone Town by seven goals to one. Ellen Malloy with a couple of cracking goals in that game. But as I mentioned, let's hear from Tegan Ruddy of Piemont United. Piemont opening up a four-point lead at the top of the table. Afterwards, Jonathan Higgins caught up with Tegan Ruddy. Four points is great, but means nothing if we don't go and win the next game. So... Yeah, we're just thinking of the next game, that's it. Another three points, what we need. The first half from the outset looked a bit scrappy. Yeah, I think it was a bit like ping-pong there in the first half. The ball was up in the air a lot. We tried to get it down, but it was a bit frustrating. But the only thing is you just can't get too frustrated in these games. You just need to keep plugging away, plugging away, and the goals will come. The set-piece just before half-time, such an important goal. Yeah, Steph's great in the air. So, I mean, delighted for her getting on the score. She, she deserves it. She's playing really well at the minute. So, yeah, delighted for her. We're a team that's very very capable of get scoring as many goals in games like that um we just need to be patient i think that was our bit of a weakness in the first half we weren't patient enough but yeah the goals came then um so yeah delighted the home side you know they tried and they tried but never really got to create any sort of opportunities i thought you were your game management will be was very impressive yeah like i mean when you have players like Anya, steph karen in there like you're never you're never going to get too far ahead of yourself you always they keep you grounded and like they're obviously experienced players and playing alongside players like that like it's honestly just a dream like and a treaty now next week, just keep the run going? Yeah, definitely. Another three points is what we need and keep on plugging away. Yeah, five games left. The Cup semi-final to come as well. An exciting time to be playing, no doubt. Yeah, it's brilliant to be still in the Cup as well. But, um, I mean, honestly, we're not thinking about Cup finals, anything like that, semi-finals yet. We're just next game treaty and that's our focus. That's uh, Tegan Ruddy speaking to Jonathan Higgins after that win for Piemont over Bohemians on Saturday afternoon as Tegan referenced there. Four points clear, Piemont at the top of the table on uh, 50 points, four clear of Wexford Youths and Shells all on 19 games played and a little like uh, we mentioned with Shamrock Rovers, it's looking very much now, James, like Piemont United for the title yet again. Yeah, it's looking that way. I think the result against Shells two weeks ago was the one that kind of put the nail in the coffin there. She mentioned there in her interview, it, it was very similar to the game against Shells where they were very patient with the ball and then once one went in, they were able to wrap up the results. So that's eight goals without any conceded in two games for them. Four points clear, five games to go, cup semi-final as well on the way. Um, we we spoke earlier about Sligo Rovers having a, a bounce down after Europe, but Piedmont definitely have had a bounce up since they've come back from Europe and it will be very difficult now to catch them I think OK matches this week in the Women's National League on Tuesday DLR Ways take on Wexford Youths at the Bowl and then on Saturday we have uh, four games Shells against DLR Ways Treaty United against Piemont Wexford Youths against Galway and Athlone Town against Cork City in the SSE Artricity League Premier Division playing Monday night Dundalk against Bohemians and then on Friday it's Drada against St. Pass that's the live game on RT2 television at Head in the Game Park it kicks off at 7.45 Harps against Dundalk is at 8 o'clock Shamrock Rovers 
take on Derry City at Tala Stadium. And then two games on Saturday, Longford Town against Bohemians at Bishopsgate at half past seven and Sligo Rovers against Waterford at the Showgrounds. And in the first division on Friday, Bray Wanderers taking on Cork City, Wexford against UCD, Athlone Town against Cabinteely and Shelburne against Treaty United and Cove Ramblers against Galway United. Before we wrap things up, I guess one fixture that certainly catches, I'm sure it catches James's eye as well, and no doubt Graham as well, is the match between Shamrock Rovers and Derry City. That should be fascinating, James. It should be. Uh, two teams that are in good form. As I mentioned earlier, Derry are in, like since Rory took over, in unbelievable form, scoring goals, but unfortunately letting in goals as well. So it'd be interesting to see how to get on to the big pitch in Tala Stadium. Um, should be a good crowd there. Hopefully there'll be away fans at it as well. So the atmosphere will be absolutely rocking. Um, it'll be a tough, tough game for Derry. Um, I think Rory, if he, if he comes out with this with any former points, would be happy. But as I said, the front three scoring against Longford, so they're flying it. But Shamrock Rovers, like, you, you can't go away from the quality that they have. Um, and it, it should be a very, very good game. I think it's hard to call, actually, to tell which, which way it'll go. Yeah, certainly one to look forward to on Friday night. Derry City, the visitors to Tallis Stadium to take on Shamrock Rovers. Thanks as ever to James O'Toole on the RT Soccer Podcast and indeed to Graham Gartland as well. And of course, we also heard from Andrew Cheel. Until the next time from all of us here, bye-bye.